What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Maddie Faz Podcast. Live down here at Fox Soul Studios, we have pretty fuzzy productions. Of course, it all takes place in the beautiful Jersey Shore. Well, it was beautiful Jersey Shore for about a day or two. Uh, but yeah, we're back to, uh, I don't know, Polony, Seattle weather. That's uh, actually why I kind of took a little hiatus. I, uh, my throat was cut dying on me uh, with all the pollen and the rain and like, everything kind of like thickening up. That's by a cop now, but uh, <laughs> we'll go with that story in case. But I uh, want to thank everybody for uh, for tuning in and uh, staying supportive of the show. Actually, a lot of the actuality, not the pollen, I, I was fucking around with that one. But uh, I've, uh, I've been kind of just working some behind-the-scenes stuff. I know I've said that before, but uh, just doing some behind-the-scenes stuff in terms of getting... Uh, some more ducks in a row uh, for both my show and, and some of the other shows that uh, plan on recording here um, in the coming weeks or, I don't know, even some have already and we just, you know, we, we have them and waiting for like a, like certain elements. Some things need a graphic for, you know, when they post it, some things need a bed music, so, um, you know, I keep just trying to give everybody the L.A. Law theme music. There you go, Pat Lavery. You can have that reference for you. But uh, uh, yeah, no. But but a lot of good uh, good content coming up, and uh, I have a list in front of me. I I it probably sounds vain because I'm in a few of them, but just bear with me here. But uh, we we have the A and R podcast, which uh, you have heard before. Episode three comes out, I believe, tomorrow. I just uh, finished wrap wrapping that up in terms of the editing. Um. And uh, that's with Fresco, who's from Tom's a really good rapper. And uh, uh, I want to give a congratulations to uh, Rodney C. from GardenStateHipHop.com, one of the co-hosts of the show. He uh, ran a really successful show last week uh, at the Saint in Asbury. And a uh, huge turnout. I think there were five, six artists there. And uh, really, I mean, I, I, I truthfully didn't know what to expect. And I, I, you know, I was going out just to, to show my support and... Uh, it really was something. I mean, we had a uh, blast. My cousin and I went, and uh, really good time. So uh, congratulations to, um, to Rodney, and uh, hopefully uh, we can get one more of those cranking before uh, before the summer's out. Uh, I had mentioned, I believe, last time that uh, I'm also in the process of uh, starting some charity things that uh, just kind of getting the ball rolling on, so... You know, it's it's just been weird. Like, and I know I keep like harp. I sound like I'm like 90 years old with the complaining about the fucking weather, but like, it's just like really like. I mean, it's like three times a week it rains, and then like by the time the weekend comes, like you know, then everybody's out like just like talking to themselves because they have nothing else to do, and everybody just like loses their mind, and nobody uses blinkers. Um, but I don't know. There's just these weeks are so disjointed. But um, before I get into to a few other orders of business, I, I will I'll, I'll give myself a pat on the back, and uh, you, you know, everybody, for everybody who does want to complain about the weather, uh, my, my birthday was this weekend, and I think the weather was pretty pleasant. So I will, uh, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> That's all I got on that one. Uh, no, but it, it actually did work out pretty nicely, and uh, you know, that was uh, good times and uh, with some friends and family, and uh, I'm still kind of uh, hurting from it. So, but yeah, I wanted to congratulate Rod, uh, really, I mean, it was a top-notch show, and I believe if you go on either a podcast on Facebook, 
which I'll link to later, especially when I put up the new show and um, GardenStateHipHop.com. Really, really cool. I mean, um, like the, 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 I, I just I I was blown away by like just everything that was going on. I just was not expecting it. But I mean, I will be the first to admit I I have not been to a lot of hip hop shows, and it's not for any bad reason. Like I just I don't know. I just hadn't. I like literally probably since college. Ludacris played at our college. Um, <laughs> one of our friends was able to become one of the security guards. That's a whole other matter. Uh, so. We, uh, but it, it was, it was a really good show and, uh, headlined by Joe College, who, uh, you know, even if you're not into like necessarily the underground hip hop scene around here, uh, definitely check if you like rap music just, or hip hop, whatever, just check out Joe College. He is really, really good. Uh, solo for Dolo, very good. Um, you know, down the line, but, uh, you know, Joe College really, really just brought it to like a whole new level. So, um, yeah, it, I, I appreciate it too, because, um, you know, I just always wonder with, with rap shows, you know, you have the DJ and everything and I don't know, I feel like something gets lost in all of it. Um, seeing rappers sometimes perform live, it, it, it could be really good or, or sometimes really bad, but, uh, Joe college had the full band, which was really, really sick. So, um, uh, big ups to him for, uh, for, for doing that. So, uh, we got that. Um, you know, I've been doing some of these solo shows, uh, pancakes is supposed to, uh, Head over here at some point soon to uh, to, to do a little something, and then uh, we're working on another show. Brown, I, I mean, for anybody I have told, and I've definitely showed pictures of the place, and I, I could shoot another one later. But you know, I, I did the area here basically as almost like a bar round table kind of thing, and it's square, but whatever, same metaphorically round. Uh, and I wanted to just, you know, just get a bunch of different, like, you know, different people, conflicting views, maybe in some cases, different senses of, per, uh, you know, personal, uh, different senses of humors, rather, and just kind of see how everybody mesh. So I've been working on some, like, I don't know, well, in my head, my dream lineups, which I don't know if that'll definitely come to pass, but there are some that, uh, who are interested in doing it. And, uh, you know, I think could be some really, really good mixes and literally it'll just be like, like, I mean, it, I mean, I guess one of those shows that's on like SNY or whatever, uh, 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 yes network, not beer money, none, none of that shit, but, but basically just one of those shows where just like, there's four people at a round table, but they just have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. And I'll feed them just random topics, not like. You know why Daniel Murphy's playing better for the Nationals than that. So uh, I think that one has a lot of potential, and I'll have more details on that coming up. I'm like I said, I, I'm uh, I got kind of bogged down with some of the behind the scenes stuff uh, going on here, but uh, we're, we're we're in pretty good shape as we uh, head into the summer. So uh, I, I'm hoping to do a minimum of two, maybe three podcasts a week. Hopefully, one of those being like a long form interview. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that one rocks, but, you know, for the moment you have me right now, so just, uh, just li li live in love right now. Just, just embrace it. Uh, you know, then, uh, some other ones, you know, I, I, I did a few with, with, with the Pete and Faz show, which is a whole, whole, whole other deal. I did one with my buddy Zach, which is a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to get there and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a few other people who, who have uh, expressed interest in uh, being interviewed, and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work uh, some of that stuff out. 
we're going to bring back a, a returning guest uh, from, uh, from one of our past interviews, I believe. Not given any more details than that. Uh, but yeah, it should be interesting because uh, I will say there, there was some fallout last time this person was here. And uh, I'll give him the floor again to uh, to do his thing. So that's uh, that's kind of like the state of the union of, uh, of, of, of where we're at. You know, I, I am a year older now, which is, uh, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know, I don't feel it. Some, it's weird, Some, you know, sometimes you do, sometimes you just, like, I don't know, like just like that, like, as I always heard it, like, I, I, I always tell people that I was the youngest for so long, and I watched, like, you know, people four, five, six years older than me just get bombed every weekend, and... Yeah, I'd slip a few here and there, but I, you know, I was, that was kind of the rule. If I, my mom, at 12 years old, my mom said I could hang out with my brother if I kind of kept myself in check and didn't do that. So, um, you know, so I've, I feel like I've always tried to take the high road. Obviously, it's not always work. Usually not, but um, I don't know. Like, you know, there are definitely some days right now where, like, if I if I overdo it, I'm freaking shot for like two days and dehydrated and everything uh but i don't know like the birthday weekend you know we went out pretty hard uh we went to parker house a, a good group of us and uh i don't know i'm uh, i'm still standing so so for better or worse you uh you know you, you do have me and uh i will throw in one more thing because uh i'm looking i was actually literally like right before uh i got on the air here i, I was planning out some stuff for uh for Vegas, it's actually been a while for um, the bachelor party because years ago, like you know, I guess you know the, the like summers of like 26 and 28 years old, uh, you, you know, there was just nonstop uh, weddings, either weddings in, just having to go to bachelor parties, the whole nine. I mean, I've used this joke many times, but it was literally like lighting money on fire for about two summers. So. Uh, it's been a little bit uh, since there, since I've had like the wave of weddings. It was nice to have a little reprieve, but uh, there's two this year. Uh, one, a, a good friend from from our Giants tailgates uh, is getting married in July, and uh, and what's it called? Uh, uh, one of my best friends, Colin uh, from high school, will be getting married later on. So in in, in like late summer, early spring, early, early fall rather. Uh, that one I'm in, so I have a few obligations, but. We're, uh, we we were start, we started planning the bachelor party for that to Vegas, which has been a little bit. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, and, you know, I'll, I'll, let me, let me just get the sappy part of this show over with and, uh, <laughs> let, let's see here. I'll, I'll do like, just give me like 15 minutes here. If you can bear with me listening, I promise I'll, I'll make it as interesting as possible, uh, just to get the sappy stuff and some of the political stuff. And then we can move on to some other things. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the one thing about this month. It is very difficult. Uh, you know, I, I've had many episodes without, you know, trying to bring up everything with my dad and all, all that, all that good stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I actually had a few shows where I literally recorded stuff and I mean, it was my, my own stupid idea. I, I literally recorded one show the day, which it was the day before. For my dad's like one year since passing and I lost my mind I, uh, and then the next time I would, I'm like all right I'll wait like two or three days and I was even worse like I just I it was just a freaking disaster 
anyways, <laughs> those are somewhere in my computer, and um, maybe one one day, like Prince, I'll uh, I'll release all that shit. But definitely not now. But you know, at least right now, you know, having a few weeks to kind of step back from it. Uh, June is a tough month. I mean, I realize it's kind of a first world problem, but uh, you know, just not being able to. Uh, you know, I play golf with my dad on my birthday this weekend. Really weird because that's, you know, just one of those things we usually did. Um, I mean, just a, a weekend in general. I mean, my, I think I've mentioned this before. My, my dad, my brother, my brother-in-law, and, and I were, were a standing foursome every week. So, um, you know, I'd have my dad up at 7 a.m. for like a 10, 10 a.m. tea time, but <laughs> that was part of the deal. Uh this month kind of started out a little weird, and it gets weird. I mean, um, especially as we go later in, into into June, twenty um, first uh, would be my dad's birthday, and then the twenty seventh would be my parents' anniversary. So it's just one of those like very very tough months. So I don't always ask this, and you know, and believe me, I, the people who do listen to this and um, you know reach out and all that good stuff. Uh, I mean, you guys have gone above and beyond anything in terms of being friends and, you know, and as close as family with, uh, you know, just, just being there for us. But, you know, if you can keep uh, keep Papa Faz in your heart uh, for the next uh, few weeks because, uh, you know, it's just it, – it is just a very tough time. So, um, you know, that's uh, – it's an adjustment. I mean, it's just like I um, – it's interesting because I guess – you know, you know, growing up, like, you know, I, I, we lost some people, we lost some relatives, we lost some friends and, and whatnot, and, and, and it was very tough, but, and, and I thought I had a certain perspective just about it and a certain sympathy, empathy and sympathy for, you know, people who, who dealt with that and, you know, not, not that I was ever cruel with them, but I, I don't know, I just, I, I just feel like maybe I didn't have the empathy I thought I did and like and you know now after you you know you go through it it's like wow you know maybe I wasn't that person I thought I was you know you just start beating yourself up I mean most of it is probably you know you're probably overreacting uh on it but it's uh you know like uh, I'll say this the trickiest part uh has been the fact that it, it's trying to find that balance of all right you know you mourn you have your you know we, we're again fortunate to have an, a lot of people around us and you know we hung out at the house drank eat, ate you know for I don't know, however many days in a row and you know you just kind of distract yourself so I mean my first fear was that all right once that dies down and it's just you know me and whoever or me and myself or whatever whatever the case may be um you know i was i was a little uh little little concerned about that uh just you know that 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 drop off because it was like almost like artificially kept you kept you afloat by just having so many people around so that's that's the number one drop off of of you know just just dealing with, with that part that I, that i just mentioned and then you know the the other part is that, and I would like to think I'm not a drama queen. And I, from my father, you know, we were always taught to just suck it up, and you know, whatever. If you have to let out a good cry every once in a while, let it out. 
that's it. Like, just tighten up your stomach and deal with it. I mean, uh, you know, that was kind of his old school way of dealing with it. I know it's, life is a little bit different these days. But, uh, and, and again, not that I have to, you know, walk around every day with, you know, mope down and with, with a, a, a picture of my father on my shirt and, and all that. But, I, I don't know, I guess the the most difficult part for me is that how long is not I, I, you know okay I, I know in in your head mentally you know great like you know keep that memory with you for the rest of your life but I've also am a very very firm believer of you know if people are great people and should be remembered like I don't want them just forgotten and and in this case with my father like I don't want that just forgotten i just don't so but i you know again i don't need to bring it up every single second of the day so it's a that part for me i guess has been the trickier balance of you know trying to keep his spirit alive trying to keep his stories alive and you know just his quirks and and things about him and things he would say uh again without overdoing it so i'm still learning that and i'm sure there's been times where people are like all right man like enough like we get it so but but it is like those two things are are, are very tricky and again on top of everything else um and and you know and this is no knock on my brother or sister uh but like that last part i just mentioned really has kind of hit home with me more than i don't know maybe more than normal because um you know my my ex-girlfriend and i broke up while uh you know while my dad was sick, I mean, right after, I mean, it was. A, I'm not going to go into a thing here of throwing people under the bus. It was just, it was a horrible breakup, really bad. And I, I have not, I really, I probably, I probably talked about it to under, under ten people. Um, that's not just, that's not about me being like secretive. I, I just don't. I, there's just nothing good that will come out of that conversation. Um. But in that, see, but that, and again, it's, and I'm at peace with that part of it. But the part that makes me upset is that, you know, it's like you feel like you wasted time with somebody and now whoever it is that I would marry or have kids with will never know my dad. And, you know, at least like my brother and sister's kids and, uh, you know, and, and their, their significant others who I both love, like, you know, they have memories of my dad. Like, they can at least 15 years from now say, like, oh, remember when Papa used to do this or do that, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, there's pictures and we have videos, but, you know, my kids, and it, and I dealt with it too, my grandfather on my, uh, my on the Persian side, on my dad's side, that grandfather died before I was born. So I never met him. I was very close with my mom's father. And... um you know, and it sucks because I heard he was a great man, and I, it, I just, I, he died, whatever, about a year or two years before I was born, and now it's like, a, you know, it's, I feel like it's deja vu because now, I mean, I don't have any kids, at least that I know of, um, but, you know, it, it just, it feels like deja vu that any girl I meet will never, you know, I'm going to have to just always have to rehash all the stories about my dad, and then any you know, a, a, any a kid I would have would have, you know, would have no recollection of him, and it would be all only through pictures. So, 
you know, stuff like that. Again, it's like there's the different, I guess, stages of all of it. And I'm probably there now, like, you know, and gone through more of like the day to day stuff. You know, there's still some days that blow, like, you know, and, and you know, when you have the, the, the year anniversary of his death and things like that, or first day of golf and, um, you know, just things of that nature. But but the things I just mentioned, I, I, those are the types of things that are more on my mind about it now um, that get me a little pissed off. But, again, you can't control everything. And, um, you know, like uh, I know we do as, you know, as good of a job as we possibly can to keep his memory alive, honor him, and make sure that, you know, his his values, his whole, you know, his whole, you know, his whole way of living, you know, his principles um, are passed down to the next generation, and, you know, that's ultimately what it's all about. So, uh, anyways, I'm getting a little of a clump here, but uh, that, that's what I was going to say, why June is uh, is a little bit of a tough month, but bittersweet, because there are a lot of nice holidays, but we have that, and I, and I mean, then there's the other random one, too, like my grandfather i mean a lot of people who have known us forever um family uh, my grandfather's car was hit by a train 1990 survived but i mean that was june 28th so like there june is just a weird month with like things going on <laughs> but uh so uh but yeah so uh god bless papa faz uh you know he's got a few weeks till his uh till his birthday and i mean i can i'll say flat out that you know how uh you know how, how how weird it is without him, and uh, with uh, you know, especially to not play golf with him on my birthday and have him talk shit while I'm <laughs> while we're playing <laughs> at six o'clock in the morning. I mean, you know, you can't you can't replace that. You know, somebody you you can't there. There's no replacing the the shit talking of somebody who hits one good shot on a drive and throwing their club up in the air and celebrating at six a.m. on the first tee shot. So. Uh, you really can't, you can't mimic that. So, um, you know, that's, uh, it's irreplaceable, but love you pops. And, uh, you know, maybe one day we'll, uh, get it back out there. But dad, I do, uh, dad, I will say this for my father, because we split up my, my brother, uh, myself, my brother-in-law split up, um, his golf club because that was, he basically bought a new set or new thing every week from playing so much so uh you know we just whoever needed what took it so we'll say his three wood is just uh just i'm just cranking it now so thank you dad <laughs> all right enough with the uh cryptic stuff uh i, I promise like i said i just had to kind of tie in a few a uh, few things there uh but yeah i, uh, I also i did want to get to um and I, I told you a lot of a lot of my show and I guess where I'm trying to go with it is just it's, it really is just finding balance because you know I, I don't know I feel like the political stuff is just so such low hanging fruit at this point and I get it it is very important and I have very strong views about it at this point and I follow it very intently but I don't know I just feel like you know I don't think anybody needs me to sit here and talk for an hour about politics. Uh, you know, again, if something 
really, really dramatic happens, such as tomorrow when James Comey testifies, that's a different story and uh, could, you know, change the whole complexion of it. But uh, since it's been, uh, you know, a few days since I've uh, I've been on here, I just I just felt the need to at least. Um, uh, where's my sheet here? Sorry, I have so many yellow sheets of paper. I don't. Does any? I, I actually I know uh, my buddy Alex uses uh, yellow pad, but um, I don't know. I I that's like my idea jotter for everything. I've never piped into like my iPad or iPhone for. I actually I'm sorry. You know what? For my i iPhone, if I have like an idea for a joke or like a thing, I will type that in real quick in the notes section. But I've always kept this like yellow notebook and that's where I have all like kind of my ideas. So if anybody really wants to see the weird side of me, just go through my desk and just start looking at that. First of all, you probably won't be able to read it. Uh, and secondly, you'll just think I'm fucking crazy. So, but there's some kind of method to my madness. So, um, what was the other thing? Oh, so I, anyways, the, the Donald Trump situation. Yes. It's just the never ending news cycle. And, um, still, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, that I, I, while there's been, um, bombshell after bombshell from these newspapers, uh, namely the New York times, uh, the Washington post. And I guess on a, you know, on, on second, second level, uh, the daily beast and, uh, Politico have done a great job as well. And, uh, you know, it obviously all comes back to Russia as it has been now for basically since the summer before, uh, before last year's election. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those cases, again, from what I can glean, and I do watch a lot of this and read a lot of this and follow a lot of it. That doesn't mean I know everything. And, and I, and just for all any real right wingers out there, I read everything. I read the right, right side publications. I read the left side publications. I, I omit the one, like, I, like, I don't read like Mother Jones or Breitbart. So I don't, you know, to keep the really left, really light, really right stuff kind of just out of it because that's not even journalism. And as somebody who's worked in journalism and has dealt with sources, I, I guess this is kind of where I wanted to go with this because, I, and look, I know Donald Trump is just trying to spin it and he knows his base, whatever it is, 38% say, you know, fluctuates day by day. But he he has this base right now that they are not bucking him, and he knows it. Um, you know, it's it's whatever. Like, I mean, there's different breakdowns, and like 92 percent of Republican voters are staying with him. Um, some of the inter independents who have voted for him are starting to wither away a tiny, you know, a tad. Um, I think tomorrow's James Comey testimony will be a real line in the sand in, in terms of. You know now where we go uh you know but my biggest issue with everything so let, let me just explain this to you and and maybe I, I forgive me if i have brought up sources before you know at, i when i worked at new jersey 101.5 we dealt with sources every day most often they were on the record because it was a pretty straightforward story you know if you had to preview a bill that was going to be introduced in Trenton, you would 
interview the bill sponsor. So you don't need anonymous background sources. However, so so the it, the the thing that the things that are going on in Washington right now, it's a double-edged sword. You have these career politicians, not politicians, these career official like intelligence officers, just career civilian employees and, you know, just different ranks, diff- different departments. They've spanned multiple presidencies. By all accounts, you know, you're always told that they're patriotic and they just love the country and want to serve. And, you know, they're not appointed necessarily. I mean, again, at some point they are appointed, but like just for the sake of this argument, they're not Obama people necessarily. Um, you know, they're, I guess, whatever. The Trump people claim that there were some problems with some of the Obama holdovers, but. For the most part, a lot of these people are lifelong just civil servants and are trying to help the country. And, you know, you you just boil it down to that. And within, again, whether it's the NSA or CIA or, you know, FBI, they have protocols within those systems where they have whistleblower laws, where if your boss is doing something or if you see a coworker, if you just anybody who's doing some shit that's pretty skeptical uh, that you're skeptical about, uh, you know, there's c- kind of d- different avenues you could take to at least report it and not feel vulnerable that you're going to get in trouble or, you know, or have anything happen to you for doing that. What's been happening, though, is that, look, I know the Trump people will not admit this, but come on, let's just let's just use common sense here. We're just going to do a common sense exercise. Like you have these people and, and, and even if so, like we'll, we'll use the example of Trump releasing intelligence information to, to the Russians. That's a good one. It all makes sense. I mean, I, if, I mean, first of all, I mean, you know, he fires James Comey by all accounts, James Comey was starting to have daily briefings on this Russia in, uh, issue and was starting to get closer and closer. We're starting to ask for prosecutors, allegedly. I don't know if that's 100% true. I, kn- I know for a fact he was starting to have daily briefings instead of weekly briefings, which showed that the, the case was starting to intensify. Whether that includes Donald or not, or just his hangers-on, different story. Um, so, just by osmosis, the next day, and I'm sorry if I'm telling you second news here, next day... He has um, two of the Russians, the Russian foreign minister and, and the Russian ambassador. And the guy, Sergei Kislyak, who is the Russian ambassador, just happens to be the guy who's in the middle of all of this fucking controversy with Michael Flynn and down the line of uh, Jared Kushner, all these things. And so not only does he invite these two assholes to the White House, he does not invite American media in the only two media he invites are Sputnik and RT, which are Russian basic propaganda channels. Which, you know what? And so when anybody ever says fake news and, oh, we hate the mainstream liberal media, you know what? That's the alternative. Having, having a fucking state-run bullshit uh, network like that, where literally... The, you know, Putin's secretary or spokesperson hands them a press release and they just read it verbatim. That's not news. You know, you have news, you cultivate sources. I've had sources both before, you know, on and off the scene, you know, and, and 
I, sometimes I would use sources who, um, you, you know, who were who unidentified, just sometimes on background, where they can at least kind of give me some context of what's going on without having to be quoted and, and you know, risk being like outed or anything like that. But very useful information. Look, it, it, it's, a, it's a very tough situation and, and kind of tricky. But you have a lot of these patriots who I was describing earlier who feel like it's their duty that if they see some shit going on, it's their job to call it out. So, look, and I know that creates a whole other firestorm because, you know, you can get into a situation of having just people who think that this is the information they're supposed to be leaking and they shouldn't be. So, I get the Republicans standpoint just on that alone but still you know what though like you you had a so trump at this meeting with these russians he's he's we don't we don't see the photos till till about a day later and literally the new york times had to have the 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 picture of 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 trump and and, uh lavrov and kislyak just hamming it up and it was funny because on the original guest list, it didn't even say Kislyak was going to be there, even though, because he's so sketchy, he's basically the spy master for Russia. So, you know, the whole thing was, I mean, you could not, a day after firing the, the FBI director, I mean, you couldn't do it any sketchier. And here he is laughing his ass off with them. And then it, it uh, you know, because people take notes in the meetings and a few government agencies basically have access to those notes and you know i mean look stuff has gotten leaked before never to this extent now and i'm gonna have another point on that in, in a moment but it's uh you know th- this is unprecedented and, and and i guess somewhere around that chain somebody leaked it out that friggin trump you know and, and it's funny because it all comes back to his vanity like they were talking about intelligence and, you know, the United States shares intelligence with our close allies, such as Britain and Australia and Israel and down the line. Russia is not one of those. I mean, we're supposed to be working with them in Syria to a degree. And, you know, they just take every liberty to just be sketchy. I mean, you know, we all know what their intents are. And Donald Trump just goes there and gets pissed on when he goes on vacation there. That's a whole other, that's a whole other thing. Um, so, yeah, so in the midst of this, they're talking and Trump starts bragging that he has the best intelligence, just the absolute best intelligence. And this particular piece of intelligence was from an Israeli who either infiltrated ISIS or had gotten, you know, basically like kind of gotten in with them to be, you know, close enough to be able to to relay information. I mean, a very, very dangerous covert operation. And the, the you know, the, the different classifications are what they are, and I don't know all of them. Um, but this was, a, whatever, the highest, whatever the fuck the name was, Magnum, Opus, whatever. I, I don't know. Um, and sure enough, Trump Trump just blurted it out to these to the people. So then... They, they, H.R. McMaster, who's supposed to be now the credible guy of the of the administration because Sean Spicer can't talk. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is a shit show. Uh, Kellyanne Conway 
is not let on most networks because her credibility is so shot. So they bring out H.R. McMaster, who is a widely respected general, um, you know, and a smart cookie, and he had to spin the indefensible. And, you know, it just made no sense. And, and, you know, so then Trump starts his big overseas trip. And after, you know, he, he doesn't do a full press conference, but after one of the events, he, you know, people are just yelling questions at him. Sure enough, the motherfucker says, yeah, you know, I didn't tell them it had anything to do with Israel. Like, like, are you serious, dude? You literally, okay, so if you didn't tell them, because the whole point was that the way Trump told them, Russia's smart enough with their intelligence that they would have been able to figure out what was going on. And Russia has, you know, is, you know, has been kind of, playing both sides of the fence with a lot of people and, you know, are pretty much in bed at this point with Syria and Iran. Israel and Iran hate each other. And, you know, our country and, and Iran, eh, not not such a great relationship. You know, it sounds awkward for me to say because uh, I do have a little Persian in me from my father's side of the family. <laughs> but, uh, whatever, we'll, 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 just, we'll just put that one away so I don't have, like, like the uh, FBI knocking on my door. So... So now, so he gives them the initial information, and then, you know, that was, you know, again, the, the thought was that, okay, the, the Russians can figure out probably who, where this is coming from, and what country at the minimum. And Trump blurts it out that it was Israel. I mean, the guy is like, it's just, look, I know everything has been said that's going to be said about him probably at this point and it's it hits a point where you know you just feel like you're you're just really beating the shit out of a dying horse and um you know you just feel like you're beating the hell out of it and um but it's just every week i mean like there have been times where I told you, I, I keep my running notebook and say, all right, cool, I'll, I'll start a running list and maybe, you know, by Tuesday or Wednesday, I'll, I'll record some stuff. I do that. I have three friggin' pages full. I, I go to record. By the time the Wednesday either leak to the New York Times and, and or Washington Post comes out or something Trump tweets, which, I mean, his tweets this week have been ridiculous, even by his standards. So when he was away, you know, they pretty much put his Twitter on lockdown. I mean, there were some amazing moments from that trip between him almost knocking over the uh, the, the prime minister of Montenegro, his, the the awesome handshake with uh, Emmanuel Macron, uh, who I, I mean, I didn't know much about him. I'll be dead honest with that. That guy is awesome so far. I mean, he... I, I must say, I'm a big fan, and I love that he stood up to Trump. And, you know, because Trump's very big with the handshake. I mean, he, if you haven't seen the handshakes or paid attention to it, I mean, it is, you know, it's a full on thing, and he is no doubt trying to exert his dominance. Uh, but, yeah, so, you know, and then London London now had, had a, uh, a, a terrorist attack, um, three, three guys in a van rammed into some people on the London Bridge, got out, and then uh, attacked people with knives. Seven people dead, I think like another 40 or 50 injured. 
and Trump, in, in all his uh, you know sympathetic glory, starts ripping on the, the mayor of London. I mean, look, if you, whether you agree with the guy or not on you know on politics, I mean, sometimes things transcend that. You know, they just had the attack in Manchester. Now in London, you know, like this is a time where you're supposed to be an ally to them. You know, say that you have, and I know he said later we have their back, blah, blah blah. But I mean, I just, I don't, I just don't understand the dude. I mean, I, I I've said this probably before, and, and but I'm, but it's worth repeating because uh, I always like just from reading the stuff I read in my life, and I always read the New York papers. I always had a bad opinion of Trump because, and in both papers, including the Post, which was more Republican, even though he's, I mean, Trump is really a freaking Democrat at heart. We all know that, but, uh, you know, I, I just, I was never a big fan. And then, um, our father was just like vehemently could not stand Trump for a variety of reasons for the way he conducted his business, the way he screwed subcontractors and, and, and things of that nature. And, uh, my dad just could not tolerate it. Um, I mean, and literally to the point where last year when my dad, you know, when, when right before he passed away, we, uh, he and my mom got the news from, from the hospital in Boston and they got in the car, you know, the, the doctor had said there was nothing else they could do. And this is still during the primary process and they, uh, they get in and, you know, have an emotional moment. And my dad just simply said, you know what? There's one bright side of this. My mom's like, my mom's hysterically crying. She's like, you know what? She goes, he goes, at least I don't have to sit with that asshole as the fucking president. That's how strongly my dad felt about, <laughs> about Donald Trump. And I can't disagree with him. I mean, see, I mean that look, I'm not, the, I'm not a diehard Hillary fan either. I'm really not. And I like, I'll be flat out. I, I liked John Kasich. That was my guy. I, love uh, of, of all of the people in it i thought he had the best like diversity of experience he was a you know two-time successful governor he worked in the corporate sector he worked in congress he knows how to pass he's passed ballot budgets I, you know i just and he and he even though he's republican some of the social issues i don't love that he does but you know i get you got to kind of draw the line somewhere and, and finally pick somebody. And I mean, unfortunately I never even got to vote for him because by the time, you know, Jersey primary was irrelevant or didn't happen. I don't even remember, but uh, he was gone by then and uh, you know, didn't make it to the general, but I just thought Kasich had it. And, and actually um, when we were up in New Hampshire, my brother and I went to see one of his town hall events and he was fantastic. I mean, I, I just, connected with them i was like wow this guy you know i feel like this guy's got some ideas i feel like he can listen to some people and kind of hear from both sides of the aisle you know look partisanship is never going to be perfect it's so polarized right now but at least if somebody could help bridge the gap a tiny bit that's a start so um you know Kasich, uh Kasich was my guy and you know it didn't happen so i mean that's why i mean Look, I'm not a Hillary lover by any stretch. So for any Trumpers out there who want to bash me or anything like that, I'm not a Hillary, like, diehard. I don't have the I'm with her sticker. I'm like, I don't. But I did vote for her because I, you know, there's a few things about Trump that I don't think a lot of people realize. And 
and I'm not going to say I know every single thing about Trump, but I know a fair amount at this point. First of all, he's a fucking scam artist. That that's without it, it, there. There's no argument for that. The guy has cut corners every which way through his entire business career. It's documented with the with the antics he's pulled. Uh, just in every which way. Um, he, you know, and even within Manhattan, you know, like there are these blue blood families that have had real estate and other, you know, very, you know, lucrative assets in New York City for, you know, in Manhattan for a long time. And Trump is considered an outsider to that. And I know he has gone with that, but it drives him crazy. Like, you know, he, he used to, he used to go nuts about that. He, uh, when he, um, when he was going through his divorce with Ivana, uh, uh, Ivana Trump, Ivana, I, yeah, I think she's parents to all three of the kids except for Baron. Um, uh, he was, he would, he would call into the gossip news, you know, page six and whatever the daily news one is and literally call as his own publicist named either John Barron or John Miller, not disguise his voice at all. And he would just talk about himself. He would, and it's funny because for somebody who says they hate anonymous sources, he would, he would go through this whole, he would give anonymous sources and talk about all these, you know, whoever the hot women were at that time. And it was, it, the list was always funny. It was always like Madonna and like just, you know, people of that nature, uh, uh, and he would just put out this whole thing that, oh, yeah, you know, Madonna, you know, it was it was all over Donald at, uh, you know, at, at the polo club on, on Saturday night. I mean, that was half of his life. You know, I mean, he, you know, was so insecure, you know. I mean, and look, I'll give him credit. He knows how to manipulate the media and, and work the, 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 the papers and everything like that and get the, get the attention. No doubt. He did a fantastic job with that. He, he played them like a fool. Uh, but this thing with fake news, and that's kind of coming full circle here, you know, look, if, if like, if I, like, you know, like I'll, I'll use myself as an example here. Whenever I write a story, I mean, first of all, I go over it friggin' 500 times cause I, I'm a little nuts. Um, you, you go through it. You know, you check, check quotes, make sure you're, you quote people accurately, make sure you don't you know, have part of a quote that leads into another sentence that maybe misconstrues it. You know, like, I just, I don't believe in that type of journalism. There are people who do. And look, maybe they'll get the quick pop for, you know, for, for a story and push the envelope a little bit. I just don't believe in that. I, I, I just think that, you know, I, I like telling the story accurately and, you know, and, and you go from there. I, I just, I, I don't want to, I, I never wanted to get into the business of, mincing people's words around and, and, and twisting people's words around and all that. Like, I just, I just thought it was a bad look and I thought it was good, bad for future relationships with potential sources and, and whatnot. So, you know, th this term fake news, I, I just, I just want to just take a, a moment on this and, and, and I'm sorry if I'm all over the map with some of these things, but I'm a little fired up. I, I have 25 pages of shit that, yeah, I'm just trying to get through. <laughs> um, let me take a little sip here. 
But I just want to make the one thing abundantly clear. And, and look, and I'm not saying I know every single thing about every single topic that has to do with this. Or, and nor am I saying that Trump is 100% you know, inclusion with Russia. If you put a gun to my head and said, do you think Donald Trump would have cut corners and done whatever he had to do to win the election, including you know, recruiting the help of Russia to plant false stories and potentially try to fuck with the voting machines? I would say absolutely. He's cheated at every fucking thing he's ever done in his life. And that's a fact. I'll get back to that in a second. So, this thing, fake news. You know, fake news is not a news story that you don't want to hear. You know, if somebody wrote a bad story about me, but it was factually cr- true, that's not fake news. That's just a, whatever you want to call it, a hit piece you know, a, you know, an unsavory piece, a piece that, you know, kind of got me a little bit. Okay, that's one thing. And, you know, and I, and I could decide how to retaliate from there and write back or whatever. But, you know, I can't sue for libel or, you know, defamation of character. It's a true story. So, you know, these stories that Donald Trump tries to say are fake news, it's ridiculous. First of all, and again, I'll, I'll say this about sourcing. I mean, to get one or two sources off the record, because, you know, again, some agency, some um, news outlets have different rules for what they'll allow to be published when there's no sources on the record. Just one of those things. They've been a little more liberal lately because of the kind of sensitivity of, of what is going on right now. Still, though, I mean, like, if, if I'm a reporter for the New York Times and I have a, and I have a, I have a source who, say, say he works for the NSA and he's got a document in his hand that says, Paul Manafort, you know, here's his cell phone record of calling Russia, you know, the, 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 the Russian ambassador, blah, 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 day, and then a day later getting a check for blah, 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 blah. You know, some kind of like, just say, like a smoking gun kind of piece of paper. You know, that guy, you know, will, is, you know, I'm sure he's doing it to try to be a whistleblower because he sees something ridiculous going on and he'll take it to what, you know, the New York Times then, whatever writers have that, they will go to their editor. And the editors know who the sources are. I've had to do it before too. Like, you know, and if you have a secret source, that's how it works. So, you know, outside of the news organization, yeah, they don't divulge their sources. But look, I mean, every once in a while you get a really shitty paper or a really shitty publication that probably makes up sources. But, I mean, this this, this notion of, the Washington, you know, just because the Washington Post and New York Times lean a little left, and whatever, fine. I, I, I'm, I'm waiting. I, I could hear a few people that I know are going to be like, "Oh, they lean a lot left." All right, whatever. Let's just say they lean a lot left, even if they do. There is still a process that needs to happen. These are two of the most prestigious papers in the country. There is a process that has to happen for them to, to especially for a front page story with no on the record sources. There's a process that needs to take place. And you got to figure at this point, too, with the amount of bombshells they've dropped, 
they've probably been dealing with a few of the same sources. And then when you read the stories, I, I, I marvel at it because, I mean, I remember there was this one story in the Washington Post that had 30 unnamed sources inside the White House. That is crazy. I didn't even think there were 30 people that worked like in the White House. I mean, so it was like Lord of the Lord of the Flies. Like they, uh, uh, you know, were, were just so nervous and just stabbing each other in the back that people were planting stories about everybody. That's not fake news. Like you know, like like, like if, if I'm gonna get a call right now from Sean Spicer saying like, oh yeah, you know, Reince, Reince Priebus is being a real jerk off today. Like what? And I, and I publish it, and then tomorrow, oh, that's fake news. Well, no, it's not. not you know, if I followed the protocol, got the call or, or got it recorded on my phone, you know, ask a few questions. He said he was going to be off the record, showed it to my editor, things like that. That's not fake news. You know, fake news is the stuff that Russia was doing during the, the election when they were posting, like, literally fake websites with conspiracy theories such as that Pizzagate thing, and there were a few other stories. Totally, and again, I'm not the biggest Hillary fan. I hate, I, I always have to say this, but I am not the biggest Hillary fan in the world. But these were stories that were full, full on meant to embarrass Hillary Clinton and hurt her. And then after that, or whatever, or I, I, I guess probably in, in the midst of that, uh, the head of her campaign, his computer was hacked, John Podesta. And it was a leak, 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 leak. And you had Trump people, like the guy Roger Stone, who's trying to pretend like he's really not involved, but he was involved. And somehow he knew two weeks before uh, WikiLeaks was going to put those out that, uh, you know, that, you know, he's spoken to this hacker named Guccifer 2.0. So, you know, it's after a while. There is so much smoke that, you know, and, and, and when these guys, the, like, the, the the Senate and Congress and and um, the House of Representative hearings are bullshit. I mean, they're mostly grandstanding. You know, you you have the Republicans asking about Russia, and then you have the Republicans, Democrat. I'm sorry, Democrats asking about Russia. Republicans who just want to talk about the 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 thing of unmasking people in NSA intercepts, which I'll get into another time. So, whatever, and it is an issue. But you know what? Right now. Finding the getting to the bottom of this Russia thing is huge because I'll say this. I mean, you know, Trump just tries to shrug it off. We have nothing. I have no assets in Russia, but that's not how it works. You know, a lot of the smoke around what he's got going on is that he, you know, a few of his uh, high rises, he basically used as like money laundering areas, allegedly, as long as you say allegedly, you're good. I learned that uh, very early on covering news. If you say the word allegedly, you could just pretty much say anything after. But, uh, you know, he he allows these, like, Russian oligarchs and people who, like, basically stole money from local governments in some of the broken former Soviet Union and, you know, wired the money through real estate and got it back out, you know, selling it and, and whatnot. You know, it, like, like textbook money laundering. And... Like, so when he's like, he put a note recently, you know, a few months ago and saying, you know, like the, this and that, like, the, you know, that, uh, you know, just beyond normal things. I don't have expenses in Russia, blah, blah, blah. But that, 
that doesn't tell the whole story. There's a lot. He has he has about 500 LLCs or like subsidiary kind of companies because the other misnomer about Donald Trump, yet look, he's been successful and he has built a lot of buildings, but you know, in the early in in the early to mid 2000s, he was on the balls of his ass. He was. And no reputable bank would lend him money anymore because he took such high risks. He was so over leveraged. And again, the working like hypothesis is that that is kind of when the Russia stuff started because there were a lot of Russian banks that came into a lot of money after like the Soviet Union fell. And, you know, like it was like a friggin free for all down there out there. And, you know, you had a lot of guys become billionaires overnight and, you know, people worth hundreds of millions of dollars out of nowhere. And, you know, like the thought was that, yeah, you know, these guys were able to wire their money into, you know, in, into Trump, like a building like Trump because, you know, it does carry cachet in some spots and whatever. I mean, not necessarily for us, but, you know, and that was always that's thought to be at the genesis of whatever went on. That was kind of the start of it. Um, and look, could be wrong, but um, I'll say this. I mean, they have the, the treasury, uh, it's called FinCEN, the, 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 tre the treasury team that like track, it basically like forensically accounts, things like that. I mean, there there are a lot of sketchy loose ends. I mean, and like, it's, just, it's almost like a House of Cards episodes because there's been multiple people who have been killed Upon returning to Russia, in jail they've been killed. I mean, this thing goes. This thing has the potential to go deep. I know right now, like it's kind of like stalled and everything, and and but, and I'm not saying it's hundred percent gonna get to where I think it could get because I, you know, I I, I do understand Washington is Washington, and you know, but I'll I'll say this, you know, like. You know, James Comey took a lot of shit, but that man is a—he's a patriot, and he may, he, he he took some missteps last year in that whole political thing, and I think he just got kind of befuddled of how to handle it. But you know, the fact that he kept these contemporaneous notes throughout this—you uh, know—his discussions with Trump when Trump was trying to shut down all uh, you know the Michael Flynn investigation and <laughs> subsequently his. Uh, he saved all these notes. Rod Rosenstein, who you know people were unsure of for a while, did the right thing because he put Robert Mueller, who was the former FBI director, as head of this special counsel. At, I'm sorry, as the special counsel, where he literally has full reign over all of it. You know, because that's the, like, and, and there's another few things. Even, okay, so even beyond Russia, like Trump still has not released his tax returns. Do you realize he still tries to say he's under audit? I mean, does anybody actually believe that? I mean, all right, fine. Say he's under audit for this year and, and last year. Why couldn't he release tax returns from 2005 to 2014? Like, why couldn't he do that? You know, for somebody who loves talking about, like, like that's not, sometimes, like, and, and, and again, I realize, and not, not that I'm necessarily trying to sway opinions. I'm just trying to just, talk with some common sense and i know people like trump and and hate hillary trust let me say this first if trump gets impeached hillary doesn't become president she if 
if he goes down and Mike Pence go down, she still doesn't become president. If he, if the two of them go down and Paul Ryan goes down, she still doesn't become president. So I promise you Hillary Clinton is not going to be president if, you, if that's your reason for holding on to the, the, the Trump train. Um, but, you know, I mean, he, he did not pay taxes for somebody who – I know he released a financial disclosure statement. But for somebody who loves talking about their money and net worth and this and that, literally, he begs Forbes magazine every year to be higher on the list. Like that's a fact. Forbes has mentioned that in their in in their booklet every year that Trump has tried to do that, um, and you know really. So again, using common sense, somebody like that who all he talks about and all he's about is money. Why would he not be jumping to release his tax returns? There's three reasons. A he does not make nearly as much as he uh, – I'm sorry. There's four reasons. A, he does not make nearly as much as he claims to, which I think is true. B, he pays almost an embarrassing level of taxes, if not any at all, which uh, the New York Times, they had like a one or two sheet from um, I believe the 95 tax return where he had taken a huge loss, so he was able to get a 20-year exemption from paying taxes. Convenient. Um, see that he has money tied up in Russian banks, which I think is true. And, and just D, this is more, you know, the, it, it still is important because, you know, look, people who are very wealthy, you know, give to charity and his, 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 uh, the amount of money and, and stuff he's given to charity is just, is an abomination. I mean, it, it, he's probably whatever, whatever the number of uh, you know amount of money of stuff he's given. I mean, it is just paltry compared to like the you know other people. But I mean, that's not the main issue. But I'm just saying. But like for somebody who loves talking about themselves and talking about money, I mean, are we really still supposed to believe that? Oh, he's still under order. That see, that's the thing with Trump, and and I'm I'm I don't know if people are seeing it. You know, like I said, I've known this my whole life that, you know, he, he tires you out. He, he, like, you know, when, when Kellyanne Conway said the alternative facts thing, like that is a very pretty perfect metaphor for how they do things. They will just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, spin, 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 spin. spin. So we have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. And, you know, all of a sudden, like they talk themselves out of pay or back. They still haven't made a point, and they'll just, they'll, even if you ask them the most straight up question, they'll they'll answer and spin it around and talk about fake news and this and that. I mean, it is, it's really something. I mean, and um, it's just, it's it's a real shame because, you know, even if I didn't like a president, like I, I really am a firm believer in a, a, a continuity of government, which is the most important hallmark of, uh, you know, of, of democracy, um, you know, and, 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 and uh, again, it, well, the con uh, in terms of the backbone of our country, I should say, you know, the, the uh, free elections would probably be a better one to put at the top of that, but you know what I mean? But, you know, to have the continuity of government, 
is, is a very important thing. And, and and respecting the president is too. So just, you know, like, you know, I didn't love George Bush towards the end of his, of his reign because I thought the war was really stupid. And I remember having a conversation with my dad saying like, look, you know, Saddam Hussein's a horrible person. You know, he, he yeah, he's an absolute dictator. However, the, you know, the Taliban, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, Al-Qaeda guys are from Pakistan or that, you know, that, that midway point, I think, between India and Pakistan. They live in that, like, kind of, like, indigenous area. Um, and uh, Osama bin Laden was hiding in Lord knows where. And, you know, we end up ta ha um, attacking Iraq. Just, you know, we, we, get, we get Saddam Hussein and we just blow the fuck out of that country up. And, you know, like there's a domino effect to that. First, you know, one of the leaders who became in charge was extremely corrupt and stole billions of dollars. And you then also have like kind of this vacuum. And that's what's going on there now. Actually, I watched Vice the other night, which is a great episode about um, Mosul, which is one of the big cities there. And ISIS is basically surrounded now by the Iraqi troops with uh, like U.S. Um, air power. But, I mean, these kids are like 13, 14 years old. Some even younger who have, haven't been to school in years. They're just completely disenfranchised. Like, just, like, don't know what to do with their lives. Struggling day by day. I mean, it is horrible. And, and that's the thing. Like, when you start wars like that, you know, if you're not, you know, and we thought we, like, and that's the other thing, too. We, we thought we were going to install a democracy in Iraq, like. I guess on paper they have a democracy, but come on. You know, I mean, like, these, a lot of people don't understand it, like, what, like, you know, some of, like, the history is with it. But, I mean, you know, these groups of Muslims have been at each other's throats for 2,000 years between the Sunnis, the, the, the Sunnis and, and, and the Shiites. And, you know, trying to make everybody Catholic is not going to solve that problem uh even remotely uh one more thing i wanted to say about trump before I, I i end that subject was the um you know this overseas trip that he had which i mean for him it was there were a lot of blockbuster stories literally as he was like taxiing on the plane on the tarmac um and you know he needed to get out of dodge for a little bit the trip uh, interesting to say at least i mean I don't know what to make of it. I mean, we, we gave, uh, whatever, $110 billion. Uh, we, we, we were paid $110, $110 billion for, for arms with Saudi Arabia. And as soon as we did that, now there's a big falling out with Saudi Arabia and a few of the other Gulf states. Um, and, you know, in Saudi Arabia, I don't know. I don't, like, we are supposed to be their friend, but I've always been very skeptical of Saudi Arabia. I'll say a. I'll say this on the one hand, my Persian relatives have always spoken very, very uh, leery about uh, Saudi Arabia. Number two, you know, fifteen of the nineteen nine eleven uh, hijackers were from Saudi Arabia, and number three, they are they have they impose one of the strictest, like you know, most brutal forms of Islam that exists on the planet and 
you know, they are widely reported, rumored, alleged, whatever word you want to use, to be a very main sponsor of terrorism. So, I don't know. That deal is a little sketchy to me. Uh, you know, see how it plays out. Um, in that weird picture with uh, Trump and, and a few of the sheiks basically put their hand on an orb, which was a very, very weird sight. <laughs> um, then, you know, we, they did the trip to Israel, which, uh, you know, pretty much went off without a hitch. Um, again, there's still a lot of issues there because on the campaign trail, Donald Trump promised to put the uh, the embassy in uh, Jerusalem, which would cause a whole thing with, you know, this ongoing conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians and uh, all that. And uh, then went to Italy where Sean Spicer was left. Sean Spicer, who's a devout Catholic, he's, you know, he's been just getting his ass kicked basically for like, you know, five months, six months. All he wanted to ever do was meet the priest, the, I'm sorry, the Pope rather. And uh, last minute got left off the list, which was really, really dirty. That's, uh, that, that's just fucked up to do that to him. So, and then finally the, the trip ends in Brussels at the G7, which are our allies in Europe. I mean, like, you know, Trump started this thing on the campaign trail, and this is where things, like, when you when you think about the Russia stuff, and then you start to see some of the actions, this is where I start to get really, really concerned. That it's not just some bullshit thing, like, oh, you know, they wrote a few fake stories, blah, blah, blah. You know, Vladimir Putin's goal in life is to make Russia and and hopefully one day the Soviet Union powerful again and make it you know a, a dominant world power and basically reconstruct the you know the, the the boundaries of the old Soviet Union and take over any of those countries like you know I used to be able to say them back in Hooperab Elementary Schools. I used to get those stories all the time, like Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan, Azerbaijan, all, you know, down the line. So, you know, his goal is to make those, you know, part of the Soviet Union again. The other, uh, you know, main bedrock of what he's going for is that he hates NATO. You know, NATO has been whatever. I don't disagree a thousand percent with Trump that maybe, you know, that, that, that uh, some of the allies need to pay more of their weight. And honestly, I mean, I don't know the exact numbers offhand. I'll be the, I'm not going to pretend to or lie about that. But um, still, I mean, you know, it, it has been a successful, uh, you know, alliance. It has kept Europe safe, you know, and on the same team for the most part. I mean, um and, you know, Article 5, like, I mean, really is the whole thing. Like, you you pledge Article 5 that says, you know, it's like, you know, banned all for one. You, you, you know, attack, attack on one is attack on all. I mean, they were waiting to hear that. Like, that all these leaders, because they don't know what the fuck he's thinking in his head, they were waiting to hear that, and he wouldn't say it. And instead, lectured them about their costs and everything. And it's just, you know, it was just bad diplomacy because, look, if you want to do that behind closed doors, that's fine. 
I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of heated discussions and uh, you know i i wouldn't mind that like if you know if that's the way you want to try to cut it aka a deal uh, even though I've yet to see all this evidence of him being a great deal maker, and I don't want to hear the thing about the fucking planes that he helped uh, with Boeing and made a call. Uh, who, I, I need to see the actual invoices from those before I ever believe that story because he lied about the carrier story too. Carrier, you know, that said they were coming back, and now those jobs are going back to Mexico. So until I actually see invoices, which I never will probably, from these stories he tells, I, I don't fucking believe it. So, uh, but yeah, he would not pledge Article 5, which shook basically Europe to its core. And, I mean, you know, you had, and it wasn't just liberal commentators. You had right-wing guys, you know, like, you know, staunch Republicans who, I, you know, who hated Obama and everything down the line who could not believe what happened on that trip. I mean, it was an embarrassment on Everlet. First of all, to not give one press conference is just the sketchiest thing on the world. In, in the world, I don't care what anybody says; it is. It just is. A nine-day trip. You make a press pool travel with you. And you can't give a you know, you know, you know, one day a comment. You know, like an hour or two. Come on, ridiculous. Um, then to not pledge Article Five, terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Then lecturing everybody behind behind closed doors. Then he was making comments about Germany, who's also one of our closest allies, saying that, you know, that they're killing us in trade with cars and everything. I mean, like, literally, I mean, he's just got, like, Tourette's or something. I, I, I just, like, I, I keep thinking I'm, I got him, like, kind of pegged about, like, what he's doing. And it's just, I don't know. It's just a very, very sad time. Like, it really is. And, um... I've I've always kept tabs on politics and you know I I can go in and out with it if it's you know kind of a boring class you know b boring year for it or boring candidates and whatnot but I will say look this this definitely keeps you engaged and keeps you like interested but I mean it it's just scary because you know like until something really bad happens and I don't. And I don't want anything bad at like in terms of like an attack or something to happen because, but I mean just like with, with this Russia stuff, I mean his his base is just not dwindling. I mean they're just not they they are staying with him and it and it's really wild. I've just I'm I'm in shock. I know some of the independent voters are starting to kind of go the other way, but I mean like I really I mean I've I I've I've been. Like kind of, I've, I got, I don't have it right in front of me right this second. I have it in a drawer somewhere, but I've kind of kept the track of. I know this makes me sound like a dork, but I kept the track of some of the things he's done, um, that he claims are big landmark things, and whether I agreed with them or not. And I mean, I mean literally, I mean, to have an all Republican House and Congress and him, and for seven years for these idiots to be talking about repealing and place Obamacare. I mean, let's just come. I mean, I just wish somebody would just fucking admit it and just say, "All right, we didn't have a plan. <laughs> like, we just want we just wanted to get rid of Obamacare. We had no idea. We had no plan to to do that. I would have more respect for them if if they said that. I know it's like political suicide, but I mean, it's clear as day that they didn't have a plan. And now because you know, and and like just the whole thing with these guys. I mean, like the 
Paul Ryan is just the biggest shill in the world. I mean, that guy, talk about, like, like he might as well be like a hermit crab, that guy. That that guy is just soft, man. He, um, I, I, I'm, like, every time I think, like, maybe he'll step up here, you know, because he did at one point with the, with the uh, Billy Bush video last year, and there were a lot of people who did. And I just can't even, I can't believe it that, you know, you have guys like, uh, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz. I realize now they're back in the establishment and the whole system and everything you know, that they lost the the, the, elect, the primary. But, I mean, this dude was on stage. You know, you guys had, like, literally, before Trump came in, the the, the few favorites were literally, it was, it was Cruz, Rubio, Jeb Bush, purely because of money. I mean, he probably still, he would have fizzled out still quickly. Um you know, Governor Christie at one time was the darling of the party. He fizzled very fast. But, I mean, like, um, you know, Rand Paul, I don't think I would say he was. Uh, Scott Walker at one point was. But, I mean, I would say by the time, like, things kind of got cranking, I mean, Cruz and Rubio were, were really, like, really thought of as the next guys for the Republican Party. I, I, I may be missing one or two people, but I, I'm – like the, either way, I mean, they were they were up there, and I mean, it's just an embarrassment. I mean, like whatever the, the politics are and who's backing you, and you know whether you have the Koch brothers backing you or this guy Robert Mercer who backs Trump and whatever you know whoever the whoever whoever's your daddy basically, you know I know that has a lot of and I think that's the Cruz problem because, um, the Ted Cruz was backed by Robert Mercer, who's a multi-billionaire uh, hedge fund guy. Him and his daughter are way into politics, so they backed Cruz, and they wanted, like, really, really conservative stuff. Um, hold on a second. And uh, so, and they had Kellyanne Conway with her. And it was, like, a, a, a kind of a, a holy alliance. And when Cruz, and so, and mind you, at that point, too, this is Donald Trump calling him Lion Ted, making fun of his wife before that. Little Marco, sweaty Marco. I mean, how could anybody sit there and take that? And then now, you know, like like yesterday when when uh, uh, Donald Trump signed an air traffic control uh, initiative, you have Ted Cruz giggling standing next to him. Like, I, I mean, I just couldn't. I don't know how these people do it. I mean, they just literally have no souls. I mean, they literally have no souls. And then... Uh, the Mercer family uh, ended up moving over to Trump, and that's actually what kind of let – it was a domino effect because when Cruz went out, the Mercer family backed Trump. Kellyanne Conway got, got hired because Paul Manafort had gotten fired for the beginnings of this Russia stuff, and um, and then Steve Bannon was hired as well. He, actually, he had been working for the campaign, but he got promoted to head of the campaign, and look – I will say this. I mean, their message actually did help Trump win the election. So I will tip my cap to that. Like, I'm not just so you know, like, I'm not like just because I personally do not agree or with anything Trump is doing does not mean I'm not I won't call a spade a spade um, with, 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 you know, with certain things and, you know, call truth where, where, where I see it. But I was saying, though, the, the I, you know, I was going down just like trying to think of different things that I mean, first of all, like almost anything he's done. Then he's an executive order, which either rolls back something Obama did or 
presents like like and and then the other half of the uh the executive orders are complete bullshit it's like a it's like a it's like be like me signing a piece of paper and handing it to the landscaper and being like you know i really want you to do a uh, a year study to see what the grass will look like if you water it for one month and then don't water it for the next month and then we'll put in uh legislation after that like these are the type of like like stupid like uh, executive orders that the president signing. I mean, they're mostly bullshit. You know, I mean, it's just a chance for him to sign that stupid autograph and then show everybody like a, like a coloring book like he does uh, every week. So, uh, anyways, wow, I went way way longer uh, than I wanted to with politics. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I don't know. I'm just I'll, I'll cut the politics there because. I really like. I'll say two things. Uh, I was getting into this before that the one faith I do have is that Robert Mueller is running this special investigation, and Trump may have fucked himself by firing Comey because he could still he still could have kind of kept enough of a watchful eye over over Comey, and you know, especially with Jeff Sessions being his boss, even though Sessions is supposed to be recused from the Russia. Th- I mean, th- this thing is a clusterfuck, but. Um, Bob Mueller, man, oh my God, like he is no business. I mean, all business rather. Like that is not a guy you want like looking into you if you may like like if if you did something that you're not sure if it's a crime or not. That is not the guy you want looking into it because, and I look at it again, just just looking at it common sense wise, like you know the guy's had the, one of the most prestigious careers. He served FBI full term. Um, he's done a few other like different things like this, like studies and whatnot and investigations. And first of all, they aren't bringing him in unless, you know, he's getting something out of it. Like in terms of like, he, he, you know, he's got a strong case and he's not wasting his time. So again, and I'm not saying that's Trump that he's going to get, but like a lot of these things, and I'm sure you've heard this cliche before, if you watch any of the cable news shows, like, a lot of these things start in one direction and then go to another one. And the, the most the most famous example was the Bill Clinton one. It started with uh, Whitewater, which was a real estate deal, and ended up with him getting a blowjob in the office from Monica Lewinsky. So, like, these things can kind of just take on a life of their own, especially if you get a cooperating witness, which a lot of people think Mike Flynn is doing. Um, you know, it could go in any number of directions. So I do find it ironic, though, that Mike Mike Flynn is uh, just, uh, you know, either going to jail or he's going to escape jail by being an informant after sitting there the whole summer chanting locker up to Hillary. And again, I'm not the biggest Hillary fan, but that guy is just uh, he, he's 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 sad. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. So if I uh, if something really good pops off tomorrow with this, which. I mean, Comey has a way with this, and he, you know, he can be very well-spoken and kind of dramatic with it. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to see what he's got to say because uh, I imagine Trump probably did about 40 inappropriate things and then fired him. So, um, and just in time, my my new shirt came that says Comey is my homie. So he's uh, Comey. Comey's one of the you know he's a big hope for anybody looking for Trump to just get the fuck out of the office as I will readily admit that I am um, I uh, 
the other thing I wanted to get into, um, actually, well, well, two things here. Um, first of all, the condolences to um, all, all the victims that lost their lives. I, I touched on it before for a second, but who lost their lives in the um, in, in the two different attacks in, um, in in London and then Manchester. Uh, man, it's just friggin' horrible. I mean, especially like. It, you know, like that's the one thing that's always made me nervous. So just about like terrorism, because you know, uh, for a while, uh, like when it was before ISIS, even when it was just Al Qaeda, they, um, you know, they tended to focus on these big dramatic things, and once in a while they pulled it off from the USS Cole to both World Trade Center attacks. And, you know, and they did, they like to do things in grand fashion like that. But and I always used to say, like, for example, to my brother, like, um, he lived in Jersey City. I'm like, I'm like, this would be the easiest spot in the world to, like, if you were trying to do something. And again, I'm not, I know this sounds, I'm not trying to get myself arrested here, but you know what I mean? Like, they don't check anybody for the most, you know, some, some hours they do, but like, if you go at like, 10 o'clock on a Saturday to the path station, like nobody's going there. Nobody's checking really. And you can walk in with a book bag. And uh, I mean, I always, that's why. So like, if I ever go to like soft targets like that, I always kind of keep my head around like on a swivel just to like, see if I see anybody like sketchy and, and it's tricky. Cause then you don't want to get into like a, a profiling thing or anything like that. And I mean, like I said, I am Persian on one side of my, uh, family, even though I don't really look it, but, um, you know, so it was just horrible, just the two different types of attacks and, um, you know, not uh, the amount of people that died just, just from that and just, uh, j just horrible. So, you know, hopefully, uh, I know they've made a lot of, uh, raids and busts between both uh, attacks. So, uh, hopefully they have a disrupted, you know, any other, uh, potentially impending attacks and B can get some good intel uh, about uh, you know any future ones or you know and hopefully withhold that information from Donald Trump before he tells the uh, he'll, he'll probably tell Russia North Korea and uh, like uh, Syria next so I just wanted to send my uh, my, my congratulation uh, my congratulations my, my condolences out for that um, and uh, what was the last thing I wanted to get into here? Oh, you know what? And yeah, this is uh, this is a bittersweet one for me because I mean I've I've unfortunately uh, kind of been watching it going. So, um, again, this is, uh, I guess about, oh, yeah, this was the, whatever, Sunday into Monday Memorial Day or Saturday into Sunday, whatever the date worked out to be. Um, uh, another really, really bad chapter for, uh, for Tiger Woods, which is, um, 
you know, it's uh, it's just disappointing. And uh, like, it, it, you know, you just you get left with so many more like just on top of concern, anger that he put himself and other people in harm's way like that, especially when you have the kind of money to just. You don't even need the Uber. You just you could just have a ride, man. Like you don't you you could have you could have a stretch you could have a stretch limo, twenty four hours a day till the day you die, and you won't even, it's not a drop in the bucket, man. So uh, that really disappointed me. And and look, I know like as Tiger got older, like he um he definitely started to bother me with his antics on the course. And believe me, look, I know what it's like to lose your temper. I'm not, I'm not that good at Tiger, but you know, I actually might right now. I might be, but um, it, it's tough. Like when you're just when you're losing your game and you just don't feel it that day, you lose your cool a little bit. But he was starting to get ridiculous and like irrational, and then and then the shit with like you know if he was four over after three holes, he would just withdraw and like say you know he was hurt and this and that. Um, you know, and it all kind of came to a head, um, what was that, 2008 or 2009, um, after he won, he won the U.S. Open on basically a torn ACL, he was home, and his wife, Elin, who had been married to for quite a bit, formerly, uh, Jesper Parnovic's, uh, nanny, who introduced them, a little tidbit for you, uh, and they, uh, she caught him messing around with one of his mistresses the girl rachel uh you could tell um she's from up in new york area and then that just kind of opened up the floodgates tiger tried to flee he had taken an ambien he crashed his escalade really bad then uh it just every girl came forward and it was a free-for-all you know and and this is not to give tiger an excuse it's just I'm just trying to give some perspective here. I mean, Tiger lived a very guarded life. Obviously, look, right now he, in terms of being financially secure and all that, he does have a lot of great things. He doesn't have to worry about things. Even if he never plays another round of golf in his life, he's he's obviously good. Um, the thing with Tiger was that, yeah, yes, he was guarded so long. He Like his dad basically made him into a golf robot. I mean, I've played golf my whole life. And like when you, it's like to play that well is one thing, and then to in a tournament to get that kind of mental edge on people, it, it was once in a lifetime. I mean, the guy was, and he had a flair for the dramatic. I mean, just in like when he was going good, I mean, it was just crazy. Like it was, a, it was an absolute joke, and that that's why golf golf got to this crazy heights in terms of popularity and then when tiger started fading i mean the game has gone with it there are a lot of great young players but they just don't have the whole thing that tiger has tiger just had it and you can't always teach it like jordan had it even though yes he was obviously the greatest player like statistically performance wise winning championships but he still also had that it thing like you know it wasn't just like you got like Bill Russell who won a ton of championships too, but you know, just kind of did his own thing. I mean, Jordan just had that it flair to him, and, and Tiger did too. And and you know, I mean, it's it was 
seemed like in all all but foregone conclusion he would break Jack Nicholas's majors record, and I don't see that ever happening. And uh, you know, it's just it's just really sad because um, you know I started really getting into golf when I was younger, and it was right when Tiger was uh, starting to win the U.S. Amateurs. He's a few years older than me. Um, was I, I just, well? I just turned. 34 he is 41 i believe 42 maybe um so i started following him when he started uh what's it called um i started i started following him for years i have magazines i have you know all kinds of things like my grandfather and i used to watch him play i remember when he had his last comeback win in the u.s amateur and then turn pro. I mean, I have all of his original Sports Illustrated. I have old Nike stuff. I mean, I was way into it, no doubt. And, um, you know, and obviously he was gray model citizen for so long. And then, again, I don't know what all the truth of it is, but there are a few conflicting. And I've read a lot about him over the years. And, again, this is not a thing to say, like, I know everything. But just some context here. Um you know, his dad died, which was a big blow to him, and I can relate to that right now. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a tough one, no doubt about it. And you know, he and his dad were extremely tight, and um, I think after that, he kind of went off the deep end a little bit. And then on top of it, he really started partying a lot with like Jordan, Charles Barkley, Charles Oakley, like a lot of. A lot of guys, like, you don't want to end up with them, like, at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning because those guys can fucking party. They'll, they'll, they'll sit there. They'll, they'll lose $5 million gambling and drink their night away. So, you know, I think Tiger, after being sheltered for so long, and this is not meant to have sympathy for Tiger, um, but I'm just trying to just give a kind of a synopsis of where things kind of went and... Tiger started getting into that lifestyle, and then I guess throughout that time he met some of these girls, and you know, you just it just snowballed, and I I think you know he and he had his group of guys, you know, kind of like his his entourage that would help him arrange everything, you know, they'd have rooms under secret names and this and that, and they would help like you know shuttle around any girl who was in town for the week like it was a whole thing like and when the whole house of cards fell like it was uh you know not good but um you know i and uh you know there's been times where he's started to look okay i mean unfortunately look look i mean his golf swing was violent and you're starting to see some other golfers like like jason day guys who have really Violent swings. Rory McIlroy have a lot of injuries rather than like a nice smooth swing, and um, you know these guys are just going for such distance. And you know, I mean, in the case of like a Rory McIlroy, he's not even that. He's not that big. Then they start bulking up, and that's when you start like in a game like golf. Um, like any time I ever lifted for like, and then was swinging a golf club, I I just didn't swing right. Like I. That's my excuse for not lifting. Um, but no, but it is the truth though. Like you get like your arms just feel like so like stiff and tight and you can you feel like you're gonna tear some kind of muscle and 
Tiger started doing a lot of that. And then he got really into, like, Navy SEALs training and, like, nuts with it and got hurt a few times doing that. And he just started, like I said, like, he just got, like, reckless with, like, different things. And, I mean, he was always a guy so meticulous about everything he did with his body, how he worked out. I mean, he was one of the – on top of being one of the most rec recognizable men on the planet, you know, he was – one of the most finely tuned athletes on the planet. And, um, you know, when he was with Lindsey Vaughn, he started to look a little bit better. You know, there's been abbreviated comebacks, then he gets hurt. And uh, finally, you know, there was all these rumors that he was going to be all right. And he played at his event in the Bahamas in December, played well the, the second day, I believe. And, you know, was kind of, getting ready like all systems ago for um for the season played the first tournament did all right and then traveled to dubai and like fucked up his back and knee like on that long flight which again that's not a good sign to have, if that does it to you let alone walking 72 holes on a in a tournament and i know people want to say golf isn't a sport but go walk 72 holes without holding your clubs you know they have caddies let alone 72 holes with your clubs. And then, then we, then we, and swing, you know, hundred, couple hundred times. Then we talk. Uh, so yeah. And you know, it looked like he was starting to kind of get on the right path. And then, yeah, that, that, that thing happened. I got a text that morning and, um, my God, that, uh, that mug shot was really something else. Um, it was, uh, definitely not the, uh, Definitely not the tiger uh, I ever remember, um, you know. So it was uh, re really sad, you know, really bittersweet because I, I just, I just, I've always looked up the tiger and, um, and you know, and look, and even when I noticed him, you know, just developing a big time attitude that it, it annoyed me. Um, I just always, I still liked watching him play when he hit the ball well because I just. I enjoy like when he when he's striping the ball. I just it's just fun to watch, and um, you know, unfortunately, he doesn't have the behavioral stuff in order anymore. He doesn't have the mental stuff in order, and he doesn't have the physical stuff in order, and that is a that's a bad mix. And I am uh, I'm I'd be shocked to see him in a very long time. I I, I don't know what is uh what, what what's next for him i mean he was taking all these things but you know i don't know if they were from his surgery um and he did end up blowing the the uh breathalyzer but it came up zero 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 so i don't know what the hell is going on but but more than anything like putting all the tiger stuff aside like i mean the guy is worth like 500 million dollars how do you like i take an uber everywhere i go like how do you not have an uber or a driver with you at all and a security guard or something with you at all times with that kind of money man never makes sense to me like i just i i, I can't ever fathom it like I, there's no reason anybody can give me of why i don't care that he was going to visit his restaurant or this and that just get a ride that's it plain and simple you know like like that like, that is uh it, that that is absolutely it um and you know, I had one more thing. I'm sorry. Like you, you have to understand. Like I really have. One day I'll take a picture, but I don't. In case I wrote about anybody, I don't want to. Uh, 
take a picture, <laughs> have it on there. Uh, my handwriting is just so bad. Uh, where is where's my thing? Oh, it's funny. I uh, I guess because I, I I write down just like kind of bullet points and I'll just kind of rant from there and just you know maybe mark down a word too. I don't, I want to make sure I get in there, but I mean it's certainly not like a script. Uh, but I was trying to think, I'm like, is there any like good you know, sports stuff I need to talk about? Like, um, I'll say this, I'm not a Met fan, but, uh, big ups to, uh, Aaron judge real deal. And, uh, seems like a good dude and, uh, got his head on straight. And, uh, I mean, God, that guy stays the course. He, uh, sky's the limit for that dude. So congratulations to my, uh, my, my fellow Yankee fans who, uh, who I know, uh, Although they like to torment the Mets when they're not good, but I'll, I'll take the high road on that one. As for the Mets, um, not a pretty start. Lots of injuries, not fun. Uh, not, it's not just injuries, just a lot of inconsistent pitching as well. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, you know, it's a slow start. So we'll uh, see what's up. And then um, the other – oh, I, I, this was the other thing I wanted to get into. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like – you know what it was? I start like a lot of things kind of happened recently, and then I wrote ideas on different p- papers and ripped some out of the, my booklet and kind of misplaced them. But um, the other thing I wanted to touch on was, um, and this may come kind of full full uh, full circle with everything with my dad, but. Uh, <clears throat> another sad. Uh, that event over the last uh, few weeks was the uh, passing of Chris Cornell from uh, Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog. I mean, really one of the pioneers of the uh, Seattle grunge movement. I mean, uh, he was right right at the epicenter of it and uh, 52 years old. And, you know, it's really a shame because, um, you know, recently, it, you know, it seemed like Again, a lot of those guys, you never knew who was on drugs back in the day, you know, whether they weren't or not, just they looked and acted like it, not to stereotype them, but they just did. But, you know, Cornell, I don't know, every time I see him, he seems like he's got his act together. Like he, he, um, but, and, and I, I will say this, it wasn't just, just so I don't like defame his character. Like, you know, he's, uh, he was prescribed Ativan and I guess he took a few too many of them and he was stressed out about something from the show and then his wife had talked to him and literally like a short time later he hung himself in a hotel room which is just a horrible way to go but it's uh man that that's so sad because um you know it like i said it 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 didn't seem like it was it seems like it was it seemed like it was something that could have been dealt with and i just I, it just I guess because he was on the road and 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 didn't have like me maybe a million people around him who could have uh, you know helped prevent that. So it I still need to hear a little bit more about that that story, but that's kind of what I gather. That I mean, his wife said that he took a little bit extra Ativan, which usually calms you down, but um, that type of medicine. But I I don't know. I, I'm not sure how bad his depression was and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, she said he was freaking out about something with, like, the, you know, because the singers and everything, they were 
the the earphone you know when they play so they can hear the music and and sing along with it and uh he was freaking out about that and all like kind of just out of it and just like you know i guess just snap but say uh really big shame i mean he um really talented dude and uh that whole era is just um you know so many so many great artists so like and and the thing that's cool about it most of them are like are cool with each other i mean outside of fucking smashing pumpkins who can't handle that like pearl jam and all the other bands are bigger than them uh but you know most of those bands are, are cool and like you know do do side projects together and whatnot and uh you know it's, it's really a shame that, that chris cornell passed away but um you know i it's funny i just told this to somebody a few nights ago and i'll uh this is what i meant when i was gonna say I, i'd come full circle my dad on this one he um so i saw pearl jam i've loved pearl jam forever and i just never happened to see them for whatever reason and I saw them last year in Philly, um, and it ended up, oh shit. Um, I ended up seeing them in Philly, and um, we got, it was very tough to get tickets. We were like fifth row from the back, um, which wasn't whatever. It, it, it was fine. You could see everything great. So before this is about a month and change after my father died and um you know i was like kind of just like kind of getting back to normal and everything and so i'm thinking about the concert that day and i'm like oh, shit like i don't want to listen to release like that that song is all about his dad dying like terribly you know it's it's just very it's a great song but it's a sad song and i'm like if i listen to that right now i will bawl my eyes out um i don't know as I'm driving to work that day, because I was going to go to work and then leave from there, and I don't know, I was like, you know what, fuck this, I can handle it, put it on, I'm on 195, just crying my fucking eyes out, like, just, just a, just a basket case, just, you know, terrible, um, so we go to the, you know, whatever, we do all our things for the day, go to the show, get all set up. So we go in and they start playing, uh, you know, start kick. Uh, they play once. They play um, uh, even flow. They play alive. Hear them in the forest. They play black. They play Jeremy. And my, so I'm starting to pick up a little pattern here. A few of us are starting to look at each other. I'm like, wait, this. Is, I'm like, hold up. I'm like. Like this is the whole ten album, which is uh, you know their most popular album, their first out or yeah, like first main album, and I'm like some you know. I look on Twitter. Sure enough, it says um, since it was their tenth straight sellout in Philly, they decide they're going to play the entire ten album the whole way through. I was like, oh my god, this is fucking awesome! Blah, blah, blah. You know, or like hugging and this and that, and uh, so. You know, they go through this, and I realized, wow, I'm like, I'm going to hear release. I'm like, I, you know, I got through listening to the car because I figured, you know, let me get it out of, out of my out of my system in the car. And then in case, God forbid, they played it, and I, I, you know, so I don't fully lose it at the concert. So, but I'm like, shit, I'm like, they're definitely playing release. I'm like, this is amazing. 
Um, I'm like, this couldn't worked out any better, Eddie Vedder. And uh, so go through um, and, and uh, releases the 11th song. For the first 10 songs, he, you know, and Vedder, again, I had never seen him before, but I've watched concerts on TV and stuff, and I've heard stuff, read stuff, where he is usually very engaged with the crowd, and, and he drinks wine while he performs, he's, you know, very talkative, very chatty, the whole thing, he didn't say a word, literally, like, not, not even like, yo, what's up, Philadelphia, blah, blah, like, if he did, I missed it, but he didn't, I don't believe he said one word up until that whole time they get to the beginning of release and it's like this slow like here i'll uh or uh hold on bear with me for one second here just so you can hear like what this uh i'm praying that they'll uh release the whole thing because i you know i know they're good with releasing their um their live albums but So, you hear this start up, and then like kind of slow down, and Vetter goes to the mic, and like, so, I'm not one of those people who makes everything about me at all, like, you know, like, there's been moments where, you know, you know, just certain moments that people have in life where you just, you know, you feel like it's kind of your moment, this one felt like that for me, and, and you know, and it was, again, it was a bad time in my life i mean i i don't care i'll be on i'll be flat out honest on here like i mean i had lost my dad march 24th and uh broke up with my girlfriend uh like i don't know april i don't know sometime 14 15 20th somewhere around there so i had a lot going on in my head um goes into this whole speech about um, that you know what speech where he literally talks about his dad dying and I, you know I, I think they kind of had an up and down relationship but um, it's just this thing about not you know you, you can't go around it can't go under it you can't go over it you have to go through it and it like and because of where our seats were like i, I literally i'm not even kidding like i felt like he was just like talking right to me like i'm sitting there in like stunned silence and two of my friends are like fucking crying i'm about to like two other friends are in shock i mean it was like just a surreal scene people are looking at us like what are these weirdos getting so excited about with release but i mean it was like I've very rarely been to a concert with like that kind of symbolism before where it was like, holy shit, like this is like, this is no joke. I think this is, it. I'll play just the, uh, the speech if this is it. Just before we start this next song, um, 
It's crazy because he was actually crying. I mean, it was like just the real emotion for a lot of people. That was like I, you know what? I'll I'll finish in a second. That was like, I know maybe it sounds like a cliche kind of thing, but like, I still go to that. I mean, you know, like when I'm when I've like had my bad days, like I still think of that. That you know what? Yeah, you can't can't go under it, can't go around it, can't go over it. Just got to go through it, and it's helped. I mean, it, it was like a very profound way to put it. Um, you know, for something like that. shout-outs from there, but, um, yeah, it was um, really amazing, so, and that kind of cemented them for me, I mean, with a moment like that, I mean, like, that's, like, like, you don't, you can't manufacture a thing like that, it was, like, I mean, and, like, I, and I know, like, it wasn't me there solo trying to, like, tell people it happened, I mean, I had five of my best friends, I mean, and they were great, like, they understood, like, the gravity of the moment right there and it was just like you know and i would there, like there's nobody i'd rather be with than to like be able to like enjoy that moment with them so um you know it was like you know very very touching moment but um yeah and and like i said just coming back to chris cornell it's it's really a shame to uh to lose somebody like that guy you know he wasn't that old of a guy 52 still was playing a lot they just did a temple of the dog um reunion last year and um you know it's just a shame especially to suicide like that i mean you know like it's um you know the more you read like you read so many people who are suffering in silence and um you know it's we've gotten better with the stigma of stuff like that but still like still people don't want to you know, be referred to as like, oh, you're like, like have people think like, oh, he's a loony bin, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, you know, like I, I'd rather have somebody take a medicine, whatever it may be, whether anti-depression, anti-this, whatever, 
and make them feel better like make people you know some people need it and and it's a shame when when people don't so again i don't know the exact story with, with um with cornell but uh it's, it's definitely a shame so um we uh we, we definitely uh we definitely send our condolences out to uh he and his family and by extension you know all all, all these brothers from uh <clears throat> all these brothers um you know around uh you know, around from uh from Seattle and all those guys who came up together from whether they were in Love, mother love bone or sound garden or pearl jam or uh joined in on temple the dog or whatever so um you know he'll uh he'll definitely be missed but man at the moment holy shit man like there's uh with uh the amount of uh great music talent we've lost in the last year and change uh man it sucks down here but they, they're probably having a hell of a party up wherever they are so <laughs> so that's how you got to look at it from if you're looking for any silver lining, but no, I know the Cornell thing is definitely still raw. But uh, I, you know, I, 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 I'd be curious. I, I haven't listened to Vetter since then. I don't know like, since since Cornell passed away. I don't know if he's been on tour, but I'd be curious to see how he uh, went about it. Like you know, just certain guys, they just get it, you know, and some guys don't. And Vetter is absolutely one of those guys. Like it's just, uh, it, it's really cool like that he. Uh, you know, it's just like that, that aware with, with with stuff like that. So, well, all right. You know what? We're, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it there. This was more like a house cleaning kind of, uh, you know, well, uh, you know, just kind of uh, throwing a bunch of different ideas out there. I hope everybody's enjoying their summer so far. Hopefully, uh, you know, ho hopefully uh, either enjoying it with your spouse or loved one, or if that's not the case, maybe you've met someone. You know, I, uh, without divulging too much information, I, uh, Maddie Faz may have met a nice little somebody who's also a picky eater like him. Two, two good criteria. So, um, I'll leave that cliffhanger for you so you can, uh, I'll leave that little cliffhanger for you. So, uh, I'll have more details for you, uh, hopefully in the next coming weeks <laughs> or if I, I guess if I don't, I guess, uh, I guess that one went by the wayside, but, um, no, but that's about it. And uh, thank you, everybody, for all the birthday wishes and everything like that. And uh, make sure you check out all the content. Um, like I said, we're in the process of revamping a bunch of social media sites, websites, the whole nine. But uh, and our podcast should be tomorrow. And uh, I've mentioned before I hate the word merch. But um, I did order some new Maddie Faz podcast hats and – some other shirts, pretty fuzzy productions. I'm, I'm working on some summer ones too. We'll be coming in in the next uh, few weeks. So, uh, if you are interested, uh, literally, I'm based, I'm selling them at cost. It's more about, you know, it's not about a money making thing. It's about just awareness from it. And then, honestly, once my dad's uh, charity that we're naming for him gets finalized, any, even if it's two dollars, every proceed will go to that. So. Um, that's just kind of where we're at now, right now, but for now, these are just purely for, uh, just to kind of raise some visibility to it. So, uh, that's about it. And, uh, I hope everybody has a uh, great next few days and I will be back with you 
maiming for Friday, and I'm hoping to have a nice interview lined up on Friday. If not, that interview will probably be Monday, but I'll definitely do a show on Friday for sure. All right? Take care, everybody, and I will talk to you soon. This is Matty Faz, Matty Faz Podcast, Pretty Fuzzy Productions, and of course, listening live down at the Foxhole. Peace. Thank you.